Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. Hey, welcome to A Free Solution. Larry Sharp here, host of The Sharp Way Show. Please follow me on the, how about Facebook? Head over to Facebook, follow me on The Sharp Way. I would appreciate that. I'm here on WYSL and also WENYENY, Elmira Corning, The Patriot, and WACK, Newark, New York. That's the cool Newark, the one in New York. Reach out to me, 585-346-3000. You know, it is rare on this show that I speak about race. I do sometimes. And for those of you who don't know, because you only hear me on the radio and don't see me on the cool live feed that I do all the time, um, I am, I'm not a white guy. I'm biracial. My father was uh, black. My mother was an immigrant. So black history is a month that's meant for me. And I appreciate that. Thank you for making a black history month. When I was a kid, I went to school in the city, Bronx, uh, public school, elementary school, Benjamin Banneker Public School. They have since changed the name. But this is back in the early 70s. Yes, I'm not a spring chicken. And... When I went there, I didn't know who Benjamin Banneker was. Benjamin Banneker, by the way, was an African-American. He was a free African-American, I I think in Maryland or something. Some kind of survey or something. I didn't know who he was. Black history was a separate thing that I was taught. Even back then. Black history now is a separate thing that is taught. Separately. Well... I'm not against the concept. I mean, I get the idea that you want to add um, the achievements of black Americans. Totally get that. What I fear is happening now is that we're not going towards the ultimate goal. And I have two goals in my mind. One, to take the history of any given ethnic background in this case, African-Americans, but could be Italian-Americans, Irish-Americans, Jewish-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, insert group, deal with the issues that they've had to achieve success, and then, I guess, demand or show respect for that group of people and inspire self-respect for that specific group. That would be amazing as option one. Option two, I would love if we would also be able to eventually merge it into American history. Now, I know why we haven't. I mean, I get that. In the past, history was heavily, and I mean heavily, based upon only what white males did. And of course, most of American history is going to be affected by white males. Most of America has been white for 
all of American history. I get that. Makes sense. Men were the ones who could vote, who could make things happen. I get that white males would dominate American history. Makes total sense. I get that. The problem when I was a kid in my history books is it was only white males. Nobody else at all. So therefore they had to teach all the others in separate classes or in separate months or whatever that might be. That was a problem. My worry is now, as we begin to show the value of all the others in our nation, African-American, now there's also an Italian-American History Month, Hispanic-American History Month, Women's History Month, there are many of them, is that we're creating permanent division. That is the thing I don't want us to do. I absolutely want us to talk about all of the things that all Americans have done without question. And I'm not against Black History Month, nor am I against Hispanic American all of them. Totally fine. Is our goal, though, to make it to eventually have it to where none of them are required, to where they're just nice things? Can we get our history to become more inclusive to where this is just something nice? and not seen as such an important part of American culture. I don't know. That would be my goal. But there's a second aspect here that I want to deal with here. And that is, right now, my daughter's in high school. And what she's learning about with Black History Month in the first week of it, which is why I began to think of this, was basically slavery. And of course, slavery is an important part of our history. And we should talk about it. Of course we should. My worry is, this is New York. We didn't have slavery in New York. But not that we shouldn't talk about it. But that that would be the biggest chunk and a huge chunk of learning about black history. Again, I'm not against talking about slavery. We should. I brought this up on my show last night. You know, if I was Jewish, I'd want to talk about the Holocaust. It was a low point in Jewish history. You don't dwell on it, obviously, as that's how you define Jewish people, of course. But hey, it happened. You got to deal with that issue and talk about it. Make sure it doesn't happen again. I, I get that. And as being a black man, I get that we want to talk about slavery. My worry is I don't want it to be only about slavery. I would like all of us as Americans to look at the things that our people that our ancestors had to get over and then look at it and go, wow, that was a tough hurdle. Kudos to you guys. Well done that you were able to get past that. Much respect for you and your ancestors that got past that. And I hope that we're focusing on, look at what we've gotten over. Look at what we've overcome. Look at the respect that we have garnered by overcoming these things of our past. I'm going to grab a call. I guess I got calls coming in right away. Usually I don't get them until the second one. I'm going to grab Joe from Rochester. How are you, sir? Well, Larry, Larry, it's good to talk to you again. Um, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, um, several weeks ago. Um, before I get into what I was going to talk about or the comments I was going to make, and it concerned the Daniel Prude case. Uh, I think you're aware uh, that they're imposing some type of new uh, legislation. Um, 
you know, some type of bill, all right, that is, if it's not already become a law. But I'm going to get into that in a second. But uh, what I, you just mentioned something kind of, yeah, it, it, very important, something you just mentioned about. Go ahead. Uh, about the slavery thing. And, <clears throat> yes, it was a dark period in our history. But unfortunately, I think for political reasons, uh, many of these politicians, all right, and the media seem to be using uh, this, uh, uh, I guess, this topic or this part of history to divide us. And, it, you know, instead of moving on in history, now think about this. I mean, you do have Jewish, uh, I think you do have Jewish ancestry. You could probably go back a, a little bit, and maybe there were people even in your own family, right, that had to suffer through the Holocaust. I don't know, all right? But uh, what's interesting is that uh, the Jewish people, all right, yeah. uh, and the Jewish I have to give them credit where credit is deserved. The Jewish people didn't lay down as victims for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decided, all right, when during that time that they were treated worse than slaves. You mean in Germany? I'm, I'm not laughing uh, at their expense, obviously no, do not. You mean, do you mean I'm, in I'm, Europe I'm, or do you mean in America? Uh, the, I'm talking about the Jews that suffered all right, under Hitler. Ah, got you, yes. the days of mm-hmm. the Holocaust. Got it. And what I'm saying here is that their attitude, you know, the majority of the Jewish population, their attitude after World War II uh, was a time of victory for them, all right? And, you know, it was, you know, they they saw uh, not only their freedom, but they capitalized on their freedom because they well, taught hold, their Hold children. on, hold on. Let, let me touch this piece because I hear this often, and I want to cover this real fast. I completely agree with you in that the Jewish community should get kudos for the way they bounced back from the horror that was the Holocaust. No question, 100%. Give them kudos for that. Well done. Picking themselves up. Getting back in action. Completely impressive. And even those Jews who came to America, right? American Jews obviously weren't treated as badly as European Jews. But they weren't treated great here either. I mean, when they came here, they dealt with prejudice and biases and all types of things. And they were able to get past that. I, I Kudos to them for that also. The difference is, after slavery, after that, the black population did begun, begin to act like that. But the black population had a different problem that, that the Jewish population did not have. Once the Holocaust was over, the Jewish population was able to go on its own and do what it had to do through normal biases that existed within their societies, which, by the way, still exist for many Jewish people in many parts of the world. But what the Jewish people didn't have to deal with was 150 years of state-sponsored violence. That is what the black population in America had to handle. After slavery and the idea of 40 acres and a mule, which was that, which was a great idea, by the way, it was that the actual slave owners, the plantation owners, those people who directly exploited from slavery, they would lose their land, that land would go to the slaves, and the slaves would then be able to work that land, and they would get a mule from the army that no longer needed the mules after the war was over. That was a brilliant idea. The poor whites who didn't have slaves weren't punished. The people in the North weren't punished. The army gave up its, its mules. That was great. The military came down and threw them off that land. The military crushed the black population. 
that didn't happen when it came to the Jewish population. I will finish up this. Stay with me through the break, and we'll finish this because I know we have some good stuff to talk about. So stay with me, brother. This is Larry Sharp a Free Solution back after the break. A free solution. Hey, Larry Sharp back here on A Free Solution. Host of The Sharp Way Show. Do me a favor, head over to YouTube and like The Sharp Way. That would help me out. Here on W-Y-S-L-W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira Corning, The Patriot, and W-A-C-K in Newark, New York, 585-346-3000. I was talking to Joe. Joe, are you still there? Yes. Yes. um, That was the only thing I wanted to bring up. I hope that was clear, that there was a series of state-sponsored violence that happened against the black community. When the black community built itself up, as in the famous... Black Wall Street in Oklahoma, which was its own, you know, culture, its own, you know, black owned businesses, everything that was that was working, literally the government came in and burned it to the ground, grabbed the people who were veterans of mm-hmm. World War One, imprisoned them so they couldn't defend, and then burned those businesses to the ground. That is yeah, Larry, one aspect no that they didn't have to deal with. There's no question, right, that the black community did suffer After, all right, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation for probably close to um, 70 to uh, 70 to 100 years. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, of course, you know, uh, you know, that that stands to reason. But in the days that we live in now, all right, from the civil rights movement until the present day right now, um, the black community through government uh, programs uh, have been offered. Uh, in many cases, uh, much bigger incentives and encouragement uh, through these different government programs than uh, many of your average, what you would call uh, average white European-American citizens, okay? Uh, and the list is long. I don't have time to go into all of that. But No, I, I, I agree with you on this one, too. There is, again, one caveat, and it goes right back to state-sponsored violence. The average American doesn't actually care either way about whether black people are doing well or bad. They just, they're living their own life. And if black people do well, great. Black people don't do well, aw, that's the average American. But what has changed since the civil rights movement was the war on drugs. And the war on drugs was specifically targeted towards people who were considered either black or for some reason Puerto Rican. Uh, Nixon hated Puerto Ricans. I don't know why of all the Hispanic people to hate he hated Puerto Ricans, but he literally had it out for Puerto Ricans and black people, and that's what he sent the, the war on drugs for. And that was another aspect that slowed the process down. Now, again, to be forward, I'm not saying that black people should sit here and make that a crutch. I agree. I'm with you on that. All I'm saying is there is a difference, and the state-sponsored violence is the big difference. I don't think the average American care if Jewish Americans made it or Italian Americans made it. Or black Americans made it. I think they worry about their own world. I think it takes government to step in. And again, I'm wearing my libertarianism on my sleeve to make things worse. And it did after slavery and then after civil rights. And that's the harshest part, which makes it different. 
I agree with you a lot on this stuff, all right? Uh, but I do hold the Democratic Party very much responsible for the crutch, all right? Because, I think that's true. I agree. Uh, because I think that, I, I think, uh, and I, I, there's a lot of evidence to support it, that the plantation, all right, that black people used to know, all right, back in the 17 and 1800s, still exists today, but it, it, it exists not on a, an actual farm, all right, with soil. It exists in social programs and social programming. You're not going to have me argue that the government programs don't work. I'm with you. I'm in. All right. You know, there's an old saying, you know, teach a man how to fish and he'll never go hungry. Yep. But give a man a fish and he'll always be hungry. I, I'm agreeing with you. And, and I, would, I would argue that the government programs have not just given a man a fish, they've actually stopped a man from fishing. Right. I would go that far. Right. I would go that they, far. They've become dependent and yes. entitled. Or not even just that, physically creating barriers and wanting them. If if you're right now a poor single woman with two kids, the current system, the way it's set up now, the government program, you'd be a fool to work. You actually make more money if you stay home and spend more time with your children. Why would you work? The system is telling you not to. Of course you wouldn't. We need a better system. The government crutch makes it worse. Just about on every employment application today, we see uh, gender questions. Mm -hmm. And not only just gender questions, but nationality, uh, cultural questions. And I'm asking myself the question every time I see this stuff, are you white? Are you Hispanic? Are you Pacific Island? Mm -hmm. Uh, A Pacific Islander? Uh, Are you Native American? Are Are you black? I'm asking myself the question, uh, no matter what side of my cultural heritage I may come from, the question is, what does that have to do with my ability to perform the job duties that this particular employment uh, is uh, requiring me of? Yeah. Uh, Why they're grabbing that, though, is not for that reason. It's still a bad reason, but they're grabbing it so they can say, Look, we're having more people of color, you know, have success or we're having more women have success. This is for political reasons so that each person can say, see, I'm helping business. when they're not it's actually not helping. Business. You know, a quota system all right, yes. is not good for business. A hundred percent. You're right. You know, you, you yourself, I think that you're a, uh, an employer. You, you have your own business. I do. Uh, yeah. So so would you be hiring people based on, you know. Uh, never, never have, never will. And I'll give you an example of this so that people know this. When I ran for governor, I believe it was, was it county and state or, or city and state? I forgot the name of the, the uh, publication. They actually surveyed all of the gubernatorial campaign staff. And I have no quotas. I don't believe in them. You know I don't. I'm a libertarian. Of course I don't. What I do is I get the best people for the best job. And they said I had the most diverse staff and I have no quotas because I was all about getting the best people and it happened to be a diverse staff gives me the best results so but again no quotas I'm with you I think you're right and to be forward I am very happy we're having this conversation if you hear most people have any conversation about race it becomes angry it becomes scared people become scared they don't even want to have the conversation 
Oh my God, if, if I have a conversation, someone's going to call me a racist at one point during the conversation. I'm not going to do that. I want us to talk more about it. And I don't want us to be angry. I, what I want, and to be clear, this, I speak for me and only me. As a person of color, as a black man in America, I don't want you to feel sorry. I don't want your sympathy. What I do want is just some understanding. I'd like some empathy. That's it. And go, you know what, Larry? You're right. Black people had a bad. And on top of it, they had state-sponsored violence. And the others didn't. Yeah, that's pretty tough. That's it. If you do that, I'm pretty much good. That's what I really want is some empathy so we can have some real conversations about how to make things better. Because as I said in the opening, my goal is to have it all American history. I don't think we're there yet. And I think we have to get there. We have too many, too many, there's too many divisions. We're fighting cancel culture. Mm. I mean, if you're European American or uh, pretty much anything that had roots that, you know, went back to Europe, all right, the colonists, the Puritans, all right, we're getting canceled out. Mm. I'm not sure getting canceled. That's, that, that feels like hyperbole to me. That feels like you're concerned. All right. Look, Joe, I'm holding you on forever. You had something else you want to talk about. We're going to jump on to that after the break. If you stay with me, and I got to deal with some comments also. So I'm going to get your comments, and I'll finish up with Joe, and we'll touch the next subject after the break. Larry Sharp here on a free solution. business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Free solution. Larry Sharp, I am back here on a free solution. I also host the Sharpway Show. Heading over to Twitter. You're on Twitter? Go ahead. Follow me on Twitter. That'd be awesome. I'm here on WYSL, W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmire Recording, The Patriot, W-A-C-K in Newark, New York, 585-346-3000. Before I get back to Joe, I do want to cover a couple of comments. I got a bunch of comments here. I want to just address them a couple if I could. Uh, Adrian says, we need to have empathy for all people who suffer whether we agree or disagree or have different history. Recognizing wrongs is how we strengthen relationships. 
I could not have said that better. Yes, many people are being wronged, and we shouldn't be angry about it. We should be, you know what? I get it. Let's see if we can fix it and make sure that we can make things better. We should take responsibility for better relationships, whether it's our fault or not, right? It doesn't matter if if I was the one who made things worse or not. I should say, you know what? I want a better relationship, so let's try to fix it. Michelle says, we should use what they did as a building block. I like that. Yes, absolutely. I will say they did try to foresee what could happen with the government and did their best to not not allow it. And so about our founding fathers. I agree. By the way, if Jay, you're there. Hi, Jay. In case you can hear me. So, yes, I I completely agree on that one. Uh, Let me grab a couple more comments that popped up here. Um, Let's see here. Um, Was there a non-force solution to ending slavery? Craig asks, not fighting a civil war. Um, I think there could have been. It just would have been a whole lot more time, right? Eventually, it would have had it to end. But would that have been 50 or 100 years later? I I, I don't know, right? I I don't know. And it might have actually shifted into some form of serfdom in in any case. Um, I don't know. How do you how do you break a culture that's built upon that? It's difficult. It's difficult. So yeah, um, let's see if I can grab here. Um, well, Leslie says I don't think that's the goal. Never thought of that. I think the goal should be one history, right? I get that. Right now, it's separate. I just don't want it to stay that way. I, I think that's the wrong answer. Division in the long run is wrong. If you if you divide up front to kind of say, hey, these are important things. Can we add these into history? Then I think we're good. I mean, Joe said he feels like kind of being erased. I get that concept because if there's always another history, not yours every month, you start saying to yourself, when am I going to get my history? I get that feeling. And that's why I'm saying to your point, Leslie, I want to make it to where now we begin to scoop out those parts and put it into American history, and then nobody feels erased. Everybody gets their piece. Every We're all Americans. I don't think we're there yet. And sadly, to what Joe was saying, I think right now we're going in the opposite direction. We're going more towards division, and I'd like us to turn that around and start bringing it back together so that now it becomes one history. I think it would be much better if we can do that. So, yes. Michelle says, I feel the same way. We are all Americans, and history should be American history. Absolutely. Yes. So, uh, let's see here. James, I just got approved today for my run in 2022. Well done, James. James is from Kentucky and is an amazing guy, so I'm happy you're running. I will support all bills that will put all people on the same level. Yes, we are all Americans and should be treated equally. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, when is Italian History Month, Polish History Month, Irish History Month? Um, Italian History Month is October, Paul. I don't know when Polish History Month is. There is one because there is a, is it the Kosciuszko Museum? I think it's in Queens here. Or is it Nassau County? I've forgotten. There is one. Is there an Irish American? Probably. I don't know. Um, hate to say it, but I'm all three of those groups were enslaved at one point and were streaming against heavily for their culture and their religion. How were German Americans of 1945, like garbage, human nature will happen? I agree with all of that. If you look at the Germans in America after World War II, they canceled German culture days. 
They canceled all that stuff. I agree. I just fall back to the same thing. While we should, without question, look at all of the trouble that immigrant groups have dealt with in our country with pride and saying, look at what they've overcome. Italian-Americans, you know, Irish-Americans. And there was some Irish slavery, but it was minor compared to African-American slavery. And it also wasn't based upon race. The, the Irish slavery, when their children were born, those children weren't slaves. For Africans, you were enslaved forever. And not just that, in the South, if you were a slave Irish, whatever the case may be, and you became a free person, you were always free. If you bought your freedom or you negotiated your freedom, you were always free. In parts of the South, if you were free black, if you stayed in the state long enough, you became a slave again. That was the law. You couldn't stay free in certain counties in certain parts of the South. That never existed for Italians, for Jews, for Irish. So it's a different level. And also, again, state-sponsored violence. So there is a different level here. But again, I get your point. I don't want us to feel like anyone's being erased. We've got to make that shift. And I think the shift has to be made in the next couple years or we're really going to go down a wrong road. We've got to start bringing it back together now. That's a critical piece. Uh, Leslie says, it's difficult to teach about slavery. It is very difficult, which is why I talk about it. I want people to feel better about talking about it. It's automatically divisive, especially with younger students. I would read a book with my students, and they would start talking about how terrible white people are. I would tell them I was white, and they would say, you're not really. They would tell me that I wasn't really right. They didn't make that connection. There was a divisive idea they wanted to hang on to. This is a, a, a great point. And Leslie, I'm glad it happens because you're able to now talk to those students and say, people did bad things. That's true. It doesn't mean everybody of that group was bad. And it doesn't mean the whole world wasn't doing the same thing. Right? We do have to make sure that, yes, there were bad slaveholders, 100%. People who were doing bad things, absolutely. They're gone now. How do we now handle that legacy? And at the same time, while there were many Americans who were doing terrible things to slaves, there were also abolitionists who were white, who were trying their best to end slavery. There were also that, right? And I look at that in, in Nazi Germany. Lots of Germans either said nothing or were complicit in the Jewish Holocaust. And there were Germans who were trying their best to stop it and were hiding Jews. So all of that. Yes, yes, and yes, Leslie. I'm glad you're having those conversations. We can't change it if we don't have those conversations. Let them talk about it and then say, I get why you feel that. Why don't we make that shift? Why don't we make an adjustment uh, in your thought process to make that happen? So thank you so much for that. Joey, you're still there. I'm sorry. I just wanted to be good to other people. No, that's okay. I fully understand. No, that's very respectful uh, of you, uh, Larry. Uh, you know, in the days that we're living in right now, Larry, uh, I mean, we all know about our history. Is You know, some of it's dark, some of it's not. I mean, yep. uh, it's just like any other history, you know. You look deep enough, you're going to find darkness. Uh, Absolutely. But you, know, but you actually wanted to talk about something else, didn't you? I kind of yes, I kind of suckered you I into did. this one. Um, very briefly, I wanted to mention about the Daniel Prude case. It just came down that uh, some new legislation, maybe a, a bill is being proposed to the New yep. York Senate uh, that would um, change the course 
of uh, how police respond to yes. uh, people that uh, are in need of uh, therapy or counseling mm-hmm. uh, yes. during a crisis, like uh, something very similar to what uh, Daniel Prude yes. uh, had undergone. Now, Pe- people are worried are- that the police are not prepared to handle someone with mental illness and that they will resort to violence uh, first. That's the concern. The way the news was uh, uh, commenting on this is that they were holding the police accountable Mm. uh, for what happened with Daniel Prude. Now, um, look, uh, as I understand it, most of us that know a little bit about the case know that his brother, his own brother, had to call the police. He didn't know know who else to call, all right, because even the brother wasn't able to get a handle on him Mm -hmm. uh, in the condition that he was in. He was high on fentanyl. All right, yep. and maybe, maybe some other drugs. But, uh, you know, let's remember something. All right, uh, I am all sympathetic. Most of us are all sympathetic where sympathy is deserved. Sure. However, we have to remember that we are the ones that have the, uh, the power to choose what we put in our body, whether it's Burger King that day or whether it's fentanyl. So, um, Sometimes they're when, the same. Right. So, so let's try to remember. All right, that all right. Maybe Burger King wasn't the, the best analogy, but mm-hmm. but I but I can say that uh, whether you decide to put you know uh, a fish uh, sandwich in your mouth or yep. whether you put decide to put fentanyl in your mouth, we right. have to take responsibility for ourselves, and no, we cannot look, blame. Joe, all right, Lord, I, I don't want this to be black and white. No pun intended. Right, I, I don't want to just blame cops when things go wrong. Right? Do do cops make mistakes? Of course, they're human beings. They're just like you and I. They're not supermen and they're not terrible people. They're just humans trying to get a job done. And sadly for cops, they actually are you know in a bad system. A system that you call the cops for everything. So I understand the logic behind it. I'm sorry, scratch that. That's not true. I understand the emotion behind it. They are worried that cops are going to do the wrong thing, that mentally uh, challenged people are going to be hurt. I get it. But a rule or a law punishing cops or putting them in a worse spot is not going to help. It isn't the answer. The answer is probably having either different or better training or breaking up your police force into two or three or four groups or having a community group that will know, no, this guy's got a problem, let us handle him first. There are many ways of handling it, but the problem, and I think what you're worried about, if I hear you right, is that we've gone right to executive order, let's start punishing cops. Punishment isn't the right answer. It makes things worse. Let's be lenient on people and strong on systems so that everyone can be better. Does that make sense, Joe? Yes, yes, it does. I appreciate that. Joe, thanks so much for your call. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Larry Sharp here on A Free Solution. Give me a call, 585-346-3000. Back after the break. A Free Solution. 
Hey, it is Larry Sharp. I am back here on WYSL. Yes, also host of the Shortway Show. You know what? Why don't you head over to Instagram? How about that? Yes, the Shortway is on everything. Please follow me everywhere that you can follow me. Also on WENYENI, Elmira Corning, the Patriot, WACK in Newark, New York. Um, I want to cover a couple of pieces, if I could. I, th- let me go back to what Joe was talking about and the police. I feel the same way about police as I feel about so many government programs, if that makes any sense. I understand the emotion, right? A guy gets shot by cops. Oh my God, cops evil. Let's punish cops. I get the emotion. It just doesn't work. It isn't it's the right answer. Cops aren't all of a sudden going to go, oh, you're now giving us worse rules to work behind? Now we'll be better cops. That's not how it works. If anything, you wind up losing good cops, if anything, and they say, why am I even doing this anymore? And the bad cops just move to another place and they're bad cops there. I'd rather change the system. To being a cop, my father was in law enforcement, right? He was a, initially a, a subway cop in the 70s and then became a, uh, a corrections officer on Rikers Island here in New York City. So I'm, I'm not anti-cop and my mother was a, was a felon. She was an addict and a felon. So I've, I've seen both sides of this and I'm not someone who says, you know, people are bad. People are generally good. Systems are bad. And we actually have cops doing physically too much in this country. Every problem, call a cop. That's not the right answer. I want cops going after bad guys. That's what I want cops doing. And I, I got to think, most guys who join the police force, guys and gals who join the force, they want to go after bad guys too. That's probably why they're doing this job, right? So they can go after the bad guys. So... I think we have to engage more community, and we're not. We see a guy in trouble, we don't call the local church. I mean, that may not be appropriate in any specific, you know, situation, but it might be. We don't call the neighborhood watch. We don't call the local community center. We call a cop. Well, I got a cop who was just doing, you know, dealing with some violent crime, and now he's here, still hyped up, still not concerned, uh, still concerned about his own self. The odds are he can make a mistake. I have a better idea. Why don't we have more community groups that when we know this guy, to Joe's point, we know the guy's on fentanyl. Like, we know it. So let's not call a cop. Let's call a social worker. Why is the community involved? You can keep a cop around if you're afraid, right? And if he does get violent, then maybe it is time for a cop to step in. But maybe he's just dancing in the streets because he's crazy, right? He's crazy now. The fentanyl's made him nuts. And he's dancing in the streets. That might be a, a social worker piece. And our system just isn't made for that. And it can be. We can create a system to where cops can go after bad guys and community can support the, the person who's in trouble and they don't have to mix unless the guy gets violent. Call a cop then. Absolutely. I think it can work. So thank you for, for that, Joe. Joe's spending so much time with me today. And then bring up the other aspect, which is important is when you spend so much time on every individual's specific history and concern, you run the risk of alienating others. And then there's resentment, and then there's pain. I understand completely why we began 
to divide it up and to divvy it up. I do. I get that. Now it's time to put it together. Right? That that time is over. So let me uh, grab some more comments. There's so many of you who've uh, who've been commenting. So um, Adrian says, when I learned Long Island history, when it was rule then, I learned there actually was slavery. Yeah, but it was virtually nothing. I mean, compared to the South, right? Uh, New York actually outlawed slavery very early um, compared to other states. So it was, I mean, there was, there was some Irish slavery. There was some. It's just compared to African-American slavery in the South, it was minimal. And it wasn't ongoing, right? It wasn't ongoing either. It was much easier to get out of that than it was um, African-American slavery in the South. So what about Native American History Month? There is one. I don't know. Shame on me for not knowing what that is, Jay. But there is Native American. I think it's, I think they mix it with Pacific Islander. I think that's correct. Like, yeah, I think that's correct. They mix them together, I think. And that's the month for Native Americans, Pacific Islanders. And again, is it is it nice to know history? Yeah. How do we mix it, right? How do we make that goal? That's what I would like to do. So I, I hope they'll begin to do that. <clears throat> When's illegal history month coming? What a joke, celebrate day. The whole month is observed. I disagree, Mr. Bones. I, I disagree. Um, I think there is there is value in splitting it up when there was no ability to put it into mainstream. That is now no longer the case. We can now put it into mainstream. If you go back 30 years, that wasn't a thing. There had to be a separation or else you got nothing. Now you can mix it. The, the, cult, the country's ready for it. The culture's ready for it. Technology can accept it. The question is, do we have the political will to make it happen? And are we going too far? Because what you're saying and what you're thinking, a lot of people think. I think you're wrong, but I think you you have every right to believe that and feel that, and I want to talk to you about it. I don't think it's absurd. I just think now is the time to meld. Now is the time. Or maybe for some people, and I, I think that includes you, that for some people we've gone too far. We've spent so much time dividing. Some people now don't want to come back together. And I'm hoping that if we have more conversations, guys like you will say, you know what, fine. Bring it all in. That's what I want us to do. And I hope we don't go too far. So thank you for your honesty, Mr. Bones. Thank you for your honesty. Yes. Um, You all don't get it. There's no other race in America that was at risk in America for bettering themselves. A slave who did educate himself could lose his life for America. 100% correct. Yes. Look, why is African-American history special? Because of what John just said. Bettering yourself as being Jewish, Italian, whatever you might want to be, would be difficult and it's a hurdle to get over. But there wasn't death involved. If you were black, it was. Absolutely. But there is a solution. A free one. Empathy. Understanding. Guys, thank you so much for giving me part of your afternoon. I will see you guys next week.